When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, and welcome back to another breakdown. Today we're covering Andor episode four. And I gotta say, while the first three episodes were very slow, this fourth episode really put me into the show. While I feel casual Star Wars fans may find it a little bit slow, I found this one to be very engaging with a lot of lore and a lot of things to look forward to. So we have quite a bit to break down and hopefully by the end of this video, you'll be pumped for it too with all of the things that I believe will be heading our way in episode 5 and beyond. And yes, a lot with Palpatine. Now I believe the overall trajectory of the show based on this episode here will really end us with an awesome show. So far, the acting, the costumes, the overall tone and the sets have really set the difference between this show and many others for Star Wars. Okay, so the show dives into the cogs and gears of the Empire, as well as the early formation of the Rebellion, and I really can't wait to see more of the smaller characters, as well as the bigger ones. However, I feel like this show really will take us through these sort of unknown characters and help us to understand the bigger picture of Star Wars with the Empire and the Rebellion. And I think it's doing that with these little unknown characters, and I believe it'll bring in Mass Amida, Sly Moore, Krennic, Tarkin, Thrawn, maybe, and then of course Vader and Palpatine. So we start the episode off with Andor and Luthen as they head to Aldani, as Cassian grabs a med pack to bandage his blaster wound. As they head into hyperspace, Luthen asks Cassian to come help him with something important. Now we have to remember, Cassian just escaped that planet with Luthen and doesn't really know much about him at all. He just knows that Luthen knows quite a bit about him and his father, actually, if you remember from the third episode. As Cassian tries to learn who Luthen is, he asks, who are you? Alliance, Sep, Gorilla, Partisan Front? Now, these were all factions that would later come together to form the Alliance to restore the Republic, but it won't officially happen for a few more years closer to A New Hope. So when he says Seps, he's referring to Separatists, which was the faction led by Count Dooku during the Clone Wars. Luthen says, aren't those all the same? And what he means by this, I believe, is now the only thing that exists is the Empire against everyone else. So everything besides the Empire is just kind of seen as the same thing at this point. So it's kind of like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. As Cassian tells him he doesn't want to fight anymore, as he's seen enough war in the Battle of Mimban when he was 16, we remember the Battle of Mimban, which I'm going to explain. We've seen it in Solo, A Star Wars Story, but even before that, it was a battle that happened in the Clone Wars. Now, Mimban was a world that was fought over by the clones and the Separatists, particularly the 224th and the 501st Battalion of Clones. 
However, of course, this didn't last because the Empire did indeed take over after Order 66. So once that all happened, Mimban rebelled against the Empire, and we got the Battle of Mimban, which we saw in Solo. So Mimban was rich of minerals that the Empire wanted. The Battle of Mimban was a nightmare, as the planet was full of mud and fog, requiring tons of upkeep for the army headed there and the troops who suffered harsh conditions surviving the terrain. It was very difficult for the Empire, as we saw in Solo, A Star Wars Story. So Luthen tells him that Cassian was only there for six months and then he ran away. So clearly Luthen knows a ton about Cassian and it's all kind of up in the air. It's like, how does he know about him so much? Luthen gives a motivational speech and says he came specifically for Cassian and says that he'll reward Cassian with 200,000 credits if he accepts the job. Okay, cool. So moving forwards, as we see the ISB, the Imperial Security Bureau on Coruscant, we also know that the Jedi Temple is on Coruscant, which is now turned into the Emperor's HQ, which I'm really hoping we're going to see. Now, the Imperial Security Bureau, the ISB, is where the head of Imperial Security discusses specifics about, well, security, or so we're led to believe, from the outside. Now, actually, that's all just a cover-up, as Major Partigaz informs Supervisor Grandy and everyone else. What the ISB really is there for is to snuff out infection, meaning spies and the rise of rebellion, maybe terrorists against the Empire and things like that. Now, Arvala 6 is the first planet that comes up in the discussion at the table, and while I'm unsure about Arvala 6, I do know that Arvala 7 is the planet where we met Kuehl in the first season of The Mandalorian, where Kuehl helped Mando get to baby Yoda. Grogu. So Partagaz asks about the issue on Ferrix with Cassian. Of course, not naming Cassian, but that's what essentially led us there. And it's kind of swept under the rug, like it's not really a big deal, it's just a bit of a mishap, and just small things that don't really matter. But Grandy believes it to be a rebellion once she hears a stolen Imperial Starpath unit was discovered, as we later come to see. They also discussed the increase in construction supplies going to Scarif, and of course we all know Scarif because we saw it prominently in Rogue One at the very end. Now if you did not know, Vader was originally to storm the beach of Scarif and hold off the rebellion with the tanks and all of that as he blasted through the doors with his lightsaber in the force. This information was revealed by the original screenwriter of Rogue One, Gary Witta, in an interview that I had with him on Rule of Two here on the channel. You can check it out at your convenience, or you can watch the highlights on my other channel on Star Wars Theory Plus. On Aldani, we get Cassian and Luthen chatting in the ship as Cassian gives himself a secret fake name, Clem. Luthen tells him he'll be joining the woman approaching the ship as he goes to speak with her, but before he does, he gives Cassian a down payment worth 50,000 credits, a Kwati Signet Blue Kyber Ancient World Crystal. Now he says it celebrates the uprising against the Rakatan invaders. Now, Rakatans were an evil, ancient, powerful species who first tried to enslave the Force-sensitives of the galaxy, including everyone else that were on Tython and the rest of the galaxy. Now, I'll make a video covering their lore in extensive detail. They're super interesting. They're super badass. They ruled via the dark side of the Force, and the Force powered all of their technology. They weren't much like the Yuuzhan Vong who came later, because the Yuuzhan Vong didn't use the Force at all. In fact, they were impervious to the Force. So, the Rakatans were quite ancient and powerful 
powerful just as much as they were ruthless. They were also the first to invent hyperspace travel. Luthen speaks with Vel, who is the leader of the heist. Now, it's kind of like the Italian job meets Star Wars, and she's not happy with Cassian joining the crew so late because it's very hard to find people to trust and to let into your circle. But it's his choice, it's Luthen's choice, and he tells her how it's going to be, so she accepts. The Empire scolds the Primo police for their failure at Ferex and disturbing the peace. Morlana is now under the Empire's authority, thanks to Karn. Now, I think Karn is eventually going to become a rebel and join the other side. Levi and Cassian discuss the heist. She reveals they're robbing the Aldani armory, and Cassian freaks out. He says it's basically going to be the end of them, but they're going to do it anyways. All seven of them. It's kind of like the seven samurai. As some TIE fighters fly by patrolling the area, so we know this place is being monitored by the Empire quite heavily. Especially considering, of course, they have a armory there. Now, this armory, we come to learn, only has 40 Imperials guarding it because no one would be crazy enough to actually storm in there. As Luthen puts his wig and disguise on aboard his ship as it nears Corsland, we see he's actually getting into character of his day job, which is the owner of an artifact store, which has more Easter eggs than the Easter egg bunny itself, which we're going to get all up into. We see the heist members carry some regular worldly rifles, and these don't look very Star Wars, so it might be because all blasters require official papers or documents to buy, seeing as the Empire really just governs everything, so maybe these are more document-free blasters. The crew have a problem with Cassian joining so late as they don't trust any newcomers. As the major ship lands on Coruscant, we hear the intercom mention Hosnian Prime. Now this is the planet that gets destroyed by Starkiller Base in The Force Awakens. As Karn heads home to his mother, she welcomes him and I think he's going to join the rebellion eventually. He for sure is conflicted. Mon Mothma arrives at Luthen's shop. We finally learn what's going on here. As we see his shop, let's first go over all the Easter eggs really quickly and get them out of the way because they're really cool and fun. So we see the armor for the Mandalorian or specifically Jango Fett or, you know, Din Djarin. However, it wouldn't really make sense as Din isn't relevant for another 15 years. So it's probably just a Mandalorian's armor or we can just say it's Jango's. We see the family heirloom that belongs to the Twi'leks, which we saw Hera explaining in Rebels. We see Starkiller's helmet. If you don't know who Starkiller is, he was Darth Vader's apprentice in Legends. He was extremely powerful and George Lucas said that had Luke trained with Darth Vader in this same kind of circumstance that was the story, that was the video game, he would have been just as powerful as Starkiller. So, and Starkiller was extremely powerful. We see a Gungan shield from Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. The hands from the Mortis painting wall from Rebels, Captain Miru Miru's helmet from Revenge of the Sith, the Wookiee on Kashyyyk as they were fighting the droids, as well as Plo Koon's breathing mask and both a Jedi and Sith holocron behind Luthen as he's speaking in the back room to Senator Mon Mothma. Now, if I missed some, let me know in the comments below, of course. So Luthen takes Senator Mon Mothma in the back of his shop after faking showing her stuff to buy for her husband. They don't trust the new driver that she has as he might be a spy so they play the game. Mon Mothma informs Luthen that the Empire is hiring spies by the day as she is constantly surrounded by Imperials or spies and just really can't trust anyone. So as Senator Mon Mothma learns of the dinner party for the governor of Hana, she looks at the seating chart and we see that Sly Moore will be there from the Grand Vizier's private chamber. This is huge, dude. Sly Moore was the Force-sensitive bald lady that always followed Palpatine around in the prequels along with Massa Amida in the Senate. She could force mind trick people 
and she is one of the very few beings to know Palpatine's true identity as Darth Sidious. Now, Ars Dangor was an advisor to Palpatine. We heard of him in the Tarkin audiobook or novel. So this means that we're going to see the dinner with her and Mon Mothma in the next episode. And I am looking forward to seeing that because she is like a portal into Palpatine's world and what he's up to, as well as Vader. It's going to be super cool. I hope it's going to be cool. Cassian and the crew explain the Sacred Valley and how the Emperor took this place over 13 years ago as they learned of the unique storage facility for the Emperor and claimed it for themselves. This means Palpatine probably has so many Jedi and Sith artifacts hidden in there as well as armory and, you know, blasters and weapons and other stuff. It's going to be like when Luke went into one of the observatories of Palpatine's in the Battlefront 2 story mode cinematic. Now, the stakes are high as it's nearly impossible to escape the valley. However, their way in is to blend in with the natives of the world, the Aldani, who gather around there to witness a massive meteor shower, which is more so a ton of crystals in the sky that combust. It's a beautiful experience and it happens once every three years. Thousands of Aldani hike the mountains for days to get there apparently, so it's gonna be a great distraction. However, it's a little more overseen by the Empire and controlled now that they're there. So it's going to be interesting to see how Cassian and the crew get in. The final scene is Partagaz. Partagaz doesn't believe Grandy's belief that a rebellion is brewing. And he kind of tells her to just don't worry about what happened on Ferex. But she wants to get what Cassian stole. And it's going to be interesting to see if she actually does go and get it against Partagaz's wishes and orders. Cassian is briefed and then the episode ends. So look, I am very excited for episode five. I am fully on board with Andor and I think it's a great show. I believe the dinner is going to be the thing that I'm looking forward to the most because it has Sly Moore in it. And she was so close to Palpatine and she's also force sensitive. So I think that we're going to learn a ton about Palpatine. We're going to learn a lot about perhaps Vader. Maybe she's going to mention the Jedi. They're going to talk a lot about the politics and where the Emperor is trying to to lead the Empire going forwards and how they want to dissolve the Senate. So we're eventually going to go into the Senate like we saw in Revenge of the Sith and the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. And I believe that we're going to see a ton of interesting dialogue and a lot of political talk between so many different parties. Now, in the end, I think things will get very hairy and I believe Palpatine will probably come in himself or he'll be like a hologram or something like that and projected throughout the Senate. I think it's going to be pretty sweet. I'm very excited for it and I hope you guys are too. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. There was a ton of lore and a ton of interesting stuff to speculate on and theorize on. So I'm pumped. I'm excited for Star Wars. I'm excited for this show, which is great because I've kind of been let down for a little bit now, but I'm pretty hopeful with this show. So I hope you are too. Thanks for watching this review and this breakdown. Leave a like on this one if you enjoyed it. Check me out on Spotify for daily new content. And I will see you all in the next episode on Star Wars Theory. Until then, my fellow Jedi and Sith friends, remember, the Force will be with you always.